Shut up and sit down. This is off the wall. Dungeons and Dragons is a fantasy tabletop role-playing game whose popularity has grown like crazy since it was invented in the 70s. We're talking in the tens of millions of players, of active players in the world. And one of those players is Daniel Kwan, who earlier this year was the first Chinese-Canadian to write an official Chinese-themed D&D adventure in Candlekeep Mysteries, which is an adventure anthology. And he's going to talk all about it, including, most importantly, why he did it. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You have a very good podcasting voice. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're not, I'll tell you what, you're not the first who has told me this. I should be a radio DJ for like the midnight show or something like that. No, you got, you got a good like soothing voice. It's like, hey, we're going to talk about insert topic. It's great. <laughs> Just low hey, people. Hey Daniel, see. what about me, man? Come on. What's no, you got a voice too. Look, look, look. We're 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 three good-looking guys with right. three very sexy voices. Hell yeah! All so, good. First off, Daniel, me and Lance, you know, we're very new to the D and D world, and I'm sure there's also a lot of our listeners who may have heard of it but don't exactly know what D and D is. Can you just give a quick little rundown of what it is? Yeah, so um, D&D is a, a tabletop role-playing game. Um, so if you've played like, you know, like Elder Scrolls, you played like Skyrim or you played like, you know, a, a video game or anything like that. Mm-hmm. D&D is a, a tabletop game that lets you do collaborative storytelling in those styles. So, you know, fantasy worlds, science fiction worlds, that's all possible through tabletop role-playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dungeons and Dragons is one game in the genre of tabletop role-playing. Um, it is probably the most popular. Uh, it's so popular that in a way it's, you know, synonymous with the entire hobby in and of itself. Okay. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, but think of it as like a collaborative storytelling game where you have one person at the table who basically serves as like the dramatic manager or the dungeon master. Mm-hmm. And they kind of run the story or kind of the arbiter of the rules. Yeah. And everybody else at the table uh, plays a character that right. they've made. Mm-hmm. Their character has, you know, their their own unique backstory, their ancestry, their their own skills and abilities, and you basically go through, you know, you can go through like a three hour one shot with, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, your friends o- over the course of an afternoon, mm-hmm. or you could play a game that lasts years. You can meet every single week for for several years and, and play the same game. The longest game I was in, the the story itself had multiple players yeah. over the course of like four years. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Like people get you know really like into it, and obviously D and D has exploded in popularity in the in the past like couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, especially of course with you know COVID. People looking to like connect with others online and yeah. you know do something different. Um, my mom played Dungeons and Dragons. My mom and dad both played Dungeons and Dragons for the first time <laughs> last year because of what? COVID. And wow. yo, my mom did the most like Asian thing. So <laughs> yeah. my, my mom played like uh, a cleric who's like the healer, magic user, priest kind yeah. of character. And my mom didn't really understand like what her like healing spells did. Yeah. So, you know, we were playing this adventure and uh, I described a scene where there was this person who was stricken by this curse that was turning them to ice. Yeah. I, I like, can I curse on this show? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. oh and, I, and I shit you not, my mom's like, yo. <laughs> and we're, we're asking, so my dad's playing, my mom's playing, my brother's playing, my girlfriend's playing. And my mom's like, yo, I make him joke. <laughs> and I, I make a joke <laughs> yeah I make a joke for him <laughs> and I'm and that's and that was my mom being like yo joke and then like goji berries in it and my mom was like yo this has like healing like traditional Chinese medicine this has yeah. healing properties yeah. and I'm like cool roll the dice to see how much you heal him and so for the rest of our game which lasted like it was like five or six three hour sessions Whoa. instead of doing healing magic my yeah. mom made joke for <laughs> <laughs> and and it, but it, it's it's so interesting because like you know it's a game where it's 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 improv yeah right yeah um you you can make use miniatures or you could just do theater of the mind um and it's just it's such a wonderful experience because it's it's different for everyone every single game you play every single person plays it differently you know there are some people who you know like to do voices there are some people who like to use miniatures who yeah. There are some people who, you know, like to bring in aspects of their own lives into their games. But that's what makes it special, right? It's truly like a game of collaborative storytelling. So unlike a video game, which is like, here's your quest and you go and do these things. Yeah. Um, Dungeons and Dragons is like, okay, you're presented with a scene and what do you do? And mm -hmm. you can literally say whatever you want. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like, I mean... This just goes to show how, how much of uh, uh, you know I've been under a rock because you know obviously I haven't played this game, but it's so popular and I've looked into it and it sounds just so fun that I really want to play a game. Uh, and 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 you know, like you're saying, you know, you're able to tell your own side of a story. You can make it up however you want it to be. I'm like, oh, that's just you know so crazy. So I guess. You know, I I got a few little little kids with me. Is this a like a game that's appropriate with kids as well? I know that I've seen it on Stranger Things, right? They've been playing that on Stranger Things. So, what <laughs> what uh, what age group would you say that you should start at and go like five and on or or what? I I actually um played a game. Oh, I played a a a tabletop role playing game. So it wasn't Dungeons and Dragons. It was a game called No Thank You Evil. That's actually designed for kids. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, with so I have a buddy in San Francisco, and I promise his kids, you know, if they did well in school, that <laughs> I would run a game for them. And I actually ran the Candlekeep Mysteries Adventure for them. Uh, one is like uh, I think six, and the other is like eight. And so we 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 played. Um, they they each played a character, and then their dad, my buddy, played another character, and I ran an adventure for them for two hours. So oh, you could definitely. You know, play it with your youngsters. It's it's a lot of fun, and you know when you say like, "Oh, you could do anything and be anything." Well, that that's super cool, but it's also really intimidating to people who have never done this. Because you're like, "Well, how the fuck am I supposed to start?" Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And and of course, there are like plenty of books with pre-written adventures that tell you where to start, what to say, mm -hmm. what they look like. There's a map and everything. Okay. Um, so there are different ways to get into it, and it's 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 a wild hobby. Um, but once you kind of get started, it's like you realize that there's like some real magic there yeah. and you can really, you know, and I'm sure we could talk about this later, but there are, you know, like therapeutic uses for this and experimenting with identities, behavior and things like that. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. There are certainly things that need to be improved. Um, and I know that's what we'll probably talk about. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a wonderful, magical thing that I recommend everyone try at least once. 
yeah. I would I would definitely try this. I've never played a I mean I've seen people play tabletop games and more more like Warhammer type of stuff where you watch yeah. like those things. I've I've I think I've watched a movie before once where like the 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 entire movie was based on D&D and like I had that's where I first heard the term like the the So uh, so you know what's interesting if you watch if you watch Stranger Things and yeah. you see the kids playing it yeah. that's really close that's okay. like that that's that's D D. That's D D. Oh, yeah, man. one person who's kind of like controlling the story, the other people are like, Well, what do you do? And then you're rolling dice and yeah. it's it's tense and it's it's awesome. And, and I mean, if you're curious, there are like there are so many sh- shows mm-hmm. uh where people play tabletop role playing games live. And I'm sure when you were doing your research, you came across Critical Role, which is the biggest mm-hmm. show out there, and they play every Thursday and Thousands of people watch them play live for like four or five hours straight. <laughs> and they have you know, a podcast that has season one was like over 140 episodes or something like that. What? And each one is like three to four hours. Yeah. And it's this huge international phenomenon. And there are people who watch it live, tweet and draw the characters live as they're watching these people play. It's just I find it so amazing that you can literally do anything kind of let your creative juices flow and it's like and the other person the other players they you know they don't know what you're thinking and when you say like like for example your mom joke like what that comes out of left field i'm assuming you didn't think of that no no that was my mom and and you're like whoa okay i gotta figure something else right now some some right here to like kind of yeah to like make with this situation coming so it's 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 pretty crazy and I, I like the fact that you everybody is in charge of their of their character they're the director of their own character they're it's mm-hmm. it's really cool it's very free it's like a what do you call those games where it's like you can just run around and do whatever you want it's like a sandbox an yeah. open world game open except world. like even more you know, you're <laughs> everybody is telling their own story mm-hmm. and you're kind of working together towards like a common goal everyone's got their own little agendas and stuff right yeah. like i have um uh my home game we we play pretty much every sunday or every other sunday and one of my players is a half vampire um Sick. but he he's asian and he so he was like i don't want to drink blood i actually want to drink chi Oh, that's chi. like ah. you know, for the, yeah, like, like you know, chi. Chinese yeah. philosophy. He's like, I want to drink chi. Yeah, and we had this whole scene where they had spared this like bandit, yeah. and he was leading him away from the rest of the group, and we were we were at we were at the virtual table, talking, and you know, my other players were there, but their characters weren't in the scene, and so my buddy, he's walking, he's like, you know, when we kind of get out of view, I talk to this guy, and I, and he basically wanted to scare the bandit into never saying what had happened. And, you know, I was playing as the bandit because I play the rest of the world. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to roll and I'm going to bite him and drain him of all his chi. <laughs> and up until that moment that my this one player and I, we had actually said, we're not going to say you're half vampire. We're just going to portray you as human to the rest of the group. And the rest of the players were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so when he comes back and they're like, so did anything happen? He's like, no, I just let him go. And, you know, you kind of have to go along with that because your characters Uh aren't in that moment. And so there's one other player is like trying to see if she can get this answer out of him now uh, without breaking sort of the fiction. Right. So it's like you get some really cool moments. Um, We have another one where my in the same game, my one player, she's the healer and 
she had actually healed the the vampire when he half vampire when he was knocked out yeah. and she saw his fangs but she didn't tell anybody so she knows the <laughs> secret about him Holy um smokes. but again everybody at the table knows what's going on yeah. but their characters don't so you're kind of in this like you kind of have to role play really well or uh-huh. at least create a barrier between what your character knows and what you know and it can create some really interesting moments and, um, you know, I asked all of my players to write me a little backstory about their character so I can kind of weave it in for a long-term game. Yeah. And my one player, the healer, she was like, um, I'm looking for my missing brother. And we had come from this commune <laughs> of druids. Yeah. And so she's like, I've been looking for him for a year. And so I had this big plot twist yeah. where her brother is alive and he's actually hunting her. What? Oh, and what? she was like, what? <laughs> and now this has been our major sort of like story arc is them trying to figure out what is happening. And because they've all become entangled, all the all four of them are marked for death. And now they're trying to figure out what's happening. And we're kind of in this big city right now. And I'm basically leaving it up to them. What do you want to do? And... You know, we're actually playing in like two days. <laughs> Bro, why are you not a director right now, man? Yeah. Just like, you just think this stuff, like how, like when you, because your, your job is to make the whole world and like yeah. weave all of it together and just with the pieces of information that the other players are giving you and you just make this crazy adventure, like your job is so much stress that I feel like there's so much well the thing is like you know like I have these narrative beats and these ideas that I'd like to hit but I'm also responding to them right and communicating with them so it's less like a a director and more of I would say like a producer right we all have like an idea of what we want but we all need to respect each other like I need to respect the players at the table because they each have their own things they want to do Mm -hmm. and they also kind of need to respect me for when I'm trying to you know move the collective plot forward yeah. or provide another person with spotlight. So it's a, it's a really interesting game where, you know, if you've got kids and you're going to play with your kids, it's a really good way. A, learn math because there's lots of dice rolling. <laughs> B, taking turns and literally respecting another person and what they what they have to say and contribute. Yeah. Um, and C, it's really like being creative and, you know, being able to act and storytell uh, without that fear of judgment because that's something that you you kind of lose when you grow up and you become an adult right Absolutely. when you're a kid you're just you're so fucking creative and you can yeah. you make whatever you want yeah. right yeah. yeah but then when you come and become an adult you you're, you're held back by like ah oh, you know like people I don't want people to judge me or you know I, I don't I don't know what they'll think if I pretend that my voice is like this or like whatever or if I try an accent or something like like I'm not good at accents, so I, that's not a thing that I do, right? Yeah. Um, but I like to create worlds and stuff. Yeah. And, and Dungeons and Dragons is such a great way to a like be creative and you know um, be yourself without you know that fear of judgment, yeah. but also like connect with your culture, which is what I use D and D for. Yeah. Like for for me, it's a great way to connect with my culture because the world that I set my game in is inspired by historical time periods in China. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it gets me to learn about, you know, traditional Chinese clothing and weapons and cultural tropes um, that, you know, it kind of gives me uh, my, my learning a direction. Yeah. So, so it's a, it, there, there's a lot, there are, there are many layers to why I think Dungeons and Dragons is cool. Um, one, because I think it's just a lot of fun. Two, 
you know, it's just such a great way to practice being free. Yeah. And, and like three, I think it's a really cool way of examining real world issues. Yeah. Um, whether it be, well, how do you, do you want to include racism in your stories? Mm -hmm. And do you want to use this to a teach your kids about accepting others and things like that? Mm -hmm. um, there, there's a lot to be said about storytelling and playing pretend with a purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and that's Dungeons and Dragons. That that is just like so well said. I'm like I'm intrigued. <laughs> like I want to play yeah. this game right now. You know, it, it's it's crazy. You know, take me that. Take here, me back. Here, here's I, the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Yeah, the yeah. Deal. Why don't sometime and and I, like I'm not bullshitting. How about sometime in like in the coming months, we figure out a time. My group plays on Sundays. Okay. If y'all want. I'm happy to make you two characters. We could talk and stuff, and you can be guest characters in in my game. I'm down. Yep. I'm down. And I think that could be super fun. Right? Yes. I think my players would like that because I could you, I could tell a story, and then you, the the three of us can kind of talk about what's happening, and then like, yeah, my players get these new characters who who kind of help them with this one shot in their bigger story. Okay, I'm I'm down, man. Let's I'm, do it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm down, completely down, man. This is this I'm, is I'm serious. Awesome. Let's we we could do that. I think I, you know, I was you know I was in, introduced to Dungeons and Dragons at a really young age, mm -hmm. and I think it's really important to you know pass it along to other people. Um, and I know that you know there are a lot of Asian people who see Dungeons and Dragons, see like it's just all this like Euro fantasy stuff, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's kind of off putting. And so like you know. Eric, when we met through through, through that post I put on subtle Asian traits, yeah. one of the most common comments on that post were like, "It's so cool to see Asian stuff here. I didn't know that they had this. I want to try it now." Mm -hmm. Hey, tagging other Asian friends, we should play this. It's an Asian story, mm -hmm. and and so like for me through like my work and through like my podcast, I really want to. You know, show Asian people and show white audiences that Asian voices are, are matter and you know how our cultures are portrayed in games is you know can at times be problematic and there are better ways to do it yeah yeah for, for... I was just gonna say like the what you said there about the whole euro thing that was completely what I thought too like growing up I read a ton of like Dragonlance which is all yeah. fantasy stuff in all the books I read, and I'm talking, I don't know how many books I read of Dragonlance, there was never an Asian character. It actually never dawned on me while I was reading it. But it just, now that you're talking about it, I just realized just in my head, there has never been. And so it, it, it is a Euro, a Euro fantasy yeah. to me. But I mean, you're, here you are making a character, you know, and having half vampires that drink chi. Like... <laughs> That is yeah, that, that was my buddy. That was that's my buddy. buddy. Who, that's that's crazy. Yeah. You know, so, right? It's cool. I yeah. think that's so cool. Like, and and that's the thing is like you don't see a lot of you know uh, games where we have Asian representation in in the games as the main characters or or whatnot. And you know, being able to do and use your own imagination, you can kind of create all of that. And and that is. I think that's just so cool, right? I'm thinking like in my head when we talk about vampires and then the Chinese vampires, because you know when we Jiang talk Shi. about yeah, like the you know the you know a friend of mine, a friend of mine, um, actually, and I I wrote on this game as well, created a game called Jiangxi Blood in the Banquet Hall, 
And it's a game about Chinese American families who run restaurants and then fight vampires, Chinese vampires at night in Chinatown. So oh, that should shit. be a movie. That should be a movie. <laughs> right? So, so, so there's like a lot of cool games. Like I wrote, I wrote, um, this is a game that like I wrote called Ross Rifles. And it, we're all Canadian here, right? This yeah. is a, it's a, it's a World War One role-playing game um, that I wrote with two of my buddies. And, uh, you know, a big thing about this game is that when I wrote it, one of my goals was to make sure that we were able to tell uh, you know, a story about World War One and a story about the Canadian experience in World War One, and highlight the fact that it wasn't just white people fighting in that war, yeah. and that I don't know if you guys know that Chinese people fought in World War One. I. I did not know all the pictures I see. Everything I are read all white is, people. It's all white people. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like, know. Look at that. that. Well, this, this guy, this guy's Japanese, um, but you know, Japanese Canadians, Chinese Canadians fought in World War One, but we don't see that, no. right? In in you know the textbooks that we get in our Canadian education system, right? No. We don't know that you know Chinese people didn't have basic human rights, you know, when they were um, in ca- Canada's early history. We don't know about like the Chinese Exclusion Act and mm-hmm. the Canadian equivalent of that. We don't know that of like all of the laws that prevented Chinese people from marrying white people or becoming lawyers or doctors mm. or, or being able to vote or own land, right? We don't know about that, even though, you know, people like the three of us built the railroad, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we don't know that. And, and so like my my friend, my, my two co-authors, they're, they're both, they have um, white European backgrounds. Um, they had their own connections to the First World War. Mm-hmm. And so we all kind of put our, our our experiences into this game where it encourages you to a um, learn about who actually fought in the war, why they fought in the war, yeah. and, and to play as you know a Canadian and to learn about Canada's contribution to the war. Yeah. Um, so this is another tabletop role-playing game, but it's set in the trenches of World War I. Awesome. Yeah. I, wow. I love that. I think... You know, and you're and you're very vocal about you know the you know talking about the Asian representation and a lot of the you know uh, some of the games um, that that are misrepresenting Asians. Like, why do you, why do you think um, it, you you want to say something about that? Like, what why? Yeah. To you, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I I mean, you know, I I I was raised. Um, my dad always said, like, you know, if you see something wrong, you should say it. Mm-hmm. You should say something, right? If you see something wrong, you got to point it out. But at the same time, you know, if you say something, if you see something wrong and you want to say something, you better be prepared to say why it's wrong and how it can be made better. Right. Um, and, you know, I have, I'm very lucky to have a platform to be able to do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, social media, my podcast, but also like with my academic background. Mm-hmm. And kind of having that behind me to be able to say, "Hey, you know what? This is, you know, this isn't right." And here's what you can do better. Um, and so, you know, I'm I like to think that I'm good at telling stories, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm a good writer and all of that. And so, you know, I like to take every opportunity to be able to be like, "Hey, here's where this is wrong," but I'm not here to complain. I'm here to help you make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's so important, right? You know, we can. You know, I think it's really important to be loud. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't be loud. But I think it's also really important to be able to act and, you know, do what you think is right. I think a really good example in like mainstream media is like, look at Daniel Day Kim. Yeah. 
you know, Daniel Day Kim is a legend in the Asian community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Him and Grace Park were like, yo, why are we getting paid less in Hawaii Five O? Fuck this, we're out. Yeah. I'm going to start my own production company yeah. and do what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the good doctor. I, I think right? that's so important. Like, I think uh, we, we had a couple episodes talking about Asians and being non-confrontational, you know, and, and I'm, I think mm-hmm. it, it's great to set an example that, hey, look, you know, we need to speak up when things aren't right, yeah. you know, or else we're just, it's always just going to be the same things over again, right? The, the, the stereotypes and the racism that is happening. And, and I'm glad that we're seeing more of that, you know, people are, you know, brave and, and, and strong enough to come out to vocally voice all of this concern. And, and hopefully uh, other Asians are seeing that and going, you know what? Yeah, it's time we stand together to, to, to talk about this, right? At least have that conversation, yeah. right? No, for sure. And, and, you know, I think it's also important for the Asian community to, you know, address where we are also in the wrong, right? Because there's a lot of, you know, anti-black racism in the Asian community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really important for like our generation yeah. to talk to our parents and our grandparents about that, mm-hmm. right? And to, you know, also acknowledge, you know, why something like, you know, the model minority myth is is so bad and, you know, harmful to to our communities, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think that's also something to discuss. And you know, I think you know, as Asian people, as you know, like uh, you know, you know, as, as as adults, as as parents, as sons, daughters, whatever, I think it's really important for us to be able to have these really tough conversations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Not only is it great to have really good positive representation, I think it's also important to you know stand up for ourselves, but also. I won't say this is a confrontation, but have tough conversations within our own families and our own communities. Yeah. Yes. Right? It's super important. Yeah. I've noticed, I mean, I know that, you know, I know my parents personally, you know, it, they, where they're growing up from and, and all that, there is racism, Asian racism just is abundant, I would say as well too, amongst, it's, it's something, it's conversations that we have now with our parents, like, you know, racism mm-hmm. is not right. You know, there's already a lot of racism against us. We should not like we should not be pitting ourselves against. We we're not in competition against other minorities. We're all minorities, and we all should have a voice and be in solidarity together and stuff like that. The model minority myth hurts us because it puts us in competition or something with other minorities when it shouldn't. It shouldn't be that. We're all yeah. We're all fighting for this. Tr- and, and and you know what, like education is also a big part of it. Like, mm. um, one of the things, so are, are you guys familiar with like, uh, magic, the gathering, you know, the, yeah. the card game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's a magic gathering set, uh, not the current set, but the last one called Strixhaven. And, um, when they first announced it, they actually showed, um, a really cool character, like mm. the art, there was no context. It was just the art and it was an Asian character. Mm. He, he was like an Asian Asian man, he had like this cool slick back hair. Pre quarantine, my hair looked like it. Now I have this ponytail. <laughs> um, this cool slick back hair, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is like a really good looking Asian dude." Yeah, leading like this this big big game. Yeah. I'm like, I'm all for it. I was like hyped as fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they started releasing content and the cards, mm-hmm. and there was a story behind this character, and he's like a top student. And his dad is the dean and puts an immense amount of abusive pressure on him to be the best student possible. And that's all he cares about. And the entire story arc behind this one character was the model minority myth. Mm -hmm. Uh And 
Not only that, but this character who was being used to market this game ended up not actually being a main character. And is this weird sort of B plot. Yeah. And it was this big, huge bait and switch. Yeah. And I was really upset with it. And, you know, we talked about it on our podcast. And we talked about, you know, like, hey, positive stereotypes are really like Asians are good at math. Asians do well in school. We saw that whole Harvard thing where, you know, it was ruled that like Harvard can totally do this if it means having more diversity. Mm-hmm. If being racist towards Asians, you know, yeah. <laughs> can inject more diversity into Harvard's, you know, student roster. Mm-hmm. Like we see how positive stereotypes are, are basically thrown at us and be like, hey, no, this is a good thing. You should be proud yeah, that should there's be, a stereotype yeah. that Asians are good at math, right? Yeah. But but positive stereotypes are like really powerful tools for perpetuating systemic differences in yeah. privilege and power, yeah. right? These things are bad mm-hmm. and we need to teach people about that. Absolutely. And and and, you and know, like you, when you see it in games, when you yeah. see these stereotypes in games, like this is the perfect opportunity to talk about it. Right. And it show how it can be improved. Absolutely. And I I give you props for for voicing that and and also props that, you know, to use your own ways to talk about. I think that, you know, like using gameplay, you know, can give that somewhat safe space to talk about these kind of conversations and not be like, oh, shit, you know, he's going to be talking about racism. But not we can use this game to educate each other and and really, you know, open up that conversation through a gameplay where it's not so serious because obviously it is hard to have those hard conversations. So, you know, and going back to, to games and not realizing, you know, the, the influences and the story, the way that they're telling the stories as we're children playing these games, not realizing, like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Canadian born Chinese, right? So I'm born here. Too. I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the Ch- Chinese history, although I'm very interested in it, but, a lot of these things that you know we read about and whatnot, we don't even know if if it's true or not, and how it's mm-hmm. all perceived until we you know do further research. And so, making sure that, like you say, that we're talking about factual stuff, you know, that is very important. And then using that in in some gameplays, even as a young child, you can you know easily go, oh, the, you know, that's not right, or you know, at least yeah. You know, visualize it, it, that. For, for for me, Dungeons and Dragons has uh, it has a, a long history of really poor portrayals of Asians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a you know a big you know a big part of like you know, look D and D is a um, uh, we could, it was written by white people. Uh, at right. a time when there wasn't, there was no internet, yeah. and you know the the communities that were playing it were primarily white, but there, especially in like the seventies and eighties, a huge boom of interest in Asian media, right from like grindhouse cinema uh, to huge pop culture icons like Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, yeah, right, and people get interested in stuff. And ninja movies were, were are like huge, right, and so in one of the lasting legacies of, you know. Dungeons and Dragons is poor portrayals of Asians is a book called Oriental Adventures. Mm. Uh, and Oriental Adventures was was published a very long time ago. Uh, but in it is a, a a setting. And first of all, you still use the word Oriental. Yeah. You don't do that shit anymore, right? No, yeah. no. Um, and a lot of people don't don't even know why Oriental is a, is a bad word. They don't understand what, you know, Orientalism is and how, you know, the Orient 
is is often you know a way in which you know the west interacts with the east from their position of power mm-hmm. um and you know in oriental adventures they basically have this some of this shit is just so wild it's like this asian world where everyone's a samurai <laughs> <laughs> but like there's Chinese stuff, there's like ninjas here. Yeah. And then when you, you look at all the weapons they put, they put chopsticks as a weapon. <laughs> and then there's like an alphabet that they made in this fictional Asian language. But it's just it's just like Chinese like characters that have some added strokes to make them look like Western letters. Yeah. Okay, and then you look yeah, at the yeah. Y and just like that's just the yen symbol. Like this is real. Yeah. Um and you know this kind of stuff is like deeply problematic and honestly really insulting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this is the product of the 80s, right? Of course, yeah. But in the modern Dungeons & Dragons setting, they call back to the world of Karatur, which is the Orient in D&D. Mm-hmm. I say that with air quotes for your audio listeners, right? Yeah. Um, and so when, you know, a company says, yes, Karatur, that immediately makes this really problematic legacy product you know still a viable source of information in the present yeah like relevant again now it's it makes it relevant yeah right and so you know with candlekeep mysteries when they approached me um they were like hey do you want to write something Mm -hmm. and i said of course i do is you know i've been playing dungeons and dragons since i was like 10 years old like this is the dream yeah um and I kind of went into it and like, you know, I'm very well known, like critic of Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm also, you know, somebody who likes to provide actionable advice on how to move forward, because I think that's one of the best ways in which you can be a critic, mm-hmm. right? You can't just say everything is bad without saying how you can make it good Absolutely. because A, nobody will want to listen to you mm-hmm. uh, and B, that's just exhausting. Yeah. Um, and so they asked me, they said, hey, you want to write something? And I said, absolutely, 100%. Um, and they said, okay, here's the pitch there is a library in the world of Dungeons and Dragons in their official fantasy world called Candlekeep. It's the greatest fortress library in all the land and all like you go there if you want to find knowledge. Right. Mm. And they said, you know, your adventure has to start in Candlekeep. It has to involve a book. Okay. And that's it. Give me a pitch based on that. Mm. And I said, okay. In my head, (laughs) I could have written anything, but for me, I was like, if this was my one chance, if I only had one chance to write in an official book, like I've published a ton of other stuff and I've worked on a ton of other products, but you know, writing on an official Dungeons and Dragons book it has a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, if this was my only chance, I'm going to make the most of this opportunity. So while I, I you know, am not beholden and they did not say write something Asian themed, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I chose to, yeah. right? Because I thought this is my potentially my only chance. I'm going to make the most of it. So I wrote an adventure inspired by the films that my dad and I, you know, watched and rented at the video store growing up. Mm-hmm. I also picked a kung fu themed adventure because I knew that it would also resonate with people who enjoyed these legacy products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did that purposefully because a I I knew that they would want to read it, and b I strongly thought that this would be a good opportunity to educate them and show them something good. Yeah, I like it. And so I wrote an adventure about, so the the plot hook to the adventure, like the opening scene to the movie 
is that the players show up at the library looking for, um, you know, texts on ancient martial arts techniques. And when they arrive, the, the librarians and all the guards are like, there's been an attack on the library. Yeah. And they show up and all of these librarians have been killed. But there's like no blood, you know, they, they, the, they've been killed with the, these like secret martial arts techniques. Uh, that's so and awesome. <laughs> there's this book called The Book of Inner Alchemy. And this book is a book from Karatur, this fantasy land, but it contains information about medicine, martial arts, and forbidden techniques. Yeah. And a page is torn out, a page with instructions on how to make a set of gloves that can snatch souls. What? And so the players <laughs> have to go and track down a rogue martial artist. Um, named Bak Mei, who a lot of people know from Shaw Brothers movies, or Pai Mei, if you've ever seen Kill Bill. You know, the guy's like, ha oh, ha, and he yeah. just throws his mustache, yeah, yeah, yeah. his beard. Yeah, that's a that's a, like a, a historical fictional character from China's history. Mm-hmm. And so I made that guy a character in this Dungeons & Dragons adventure. But I put a lot of information here to not only make, I didn't want to make him a caricature, I wanted to give him a complex backstory, mm-hmm. different motivations, and I wanted people to question, whether his motivations were actually true and honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this adventure, one of my goals was to change how players kind of view Asian characters and Asian concepts. So in games, a lot of the things that you see, especially in old D&D, mm-hmm. is that you know the world building when it comes to Asian stories and Asian coded things is often based on like really harmful real world stereotypes. So like, you know, model minority myth mm-hmm. or things like that, or like everybody eats rice, yeah. right? Or things yeah, like, yeah. or everybody uses chopsticks or, or stuff like that, right? Based on like real world stereotypes or like a blending of cultures. So it's like, you have this like fantasy Asia. So there's like samurais and like Shaolin monks. <laughs> and then there's like people riding elephants. And, and oh, and then there's Genghis Khan and the Mongols. Like, what is this? Yeah. Right? And it kind of, but, but you see this because it's like, oh, all Asians look the same. It's yeah, like yeah. this reduction of and blending of like cultures, like ethnic groups, and even time periods. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's one thing. Another thing is like Asians are often portrayed as like violent or savage. It's like, oh, all Asians know how to fight. Right. Yeah. I'm sure we've all grown up and experienced this. Right. Like, are you, you both are based in like Edmonton, right? Calgary. Calgary. Oh, Calgary, Calgary, Calgary yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, y'all are in Calgary, right? And like, look, there's, there's a lot of white people there. Yes, there are. <laughs> and so I'm sure you've experienced this, right? I have in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And then there's always like, oh, Asians are seen as uncivilized or in need of saving. They're helpless. Yeah. Right? And then the last one is like, Asians are like objects of fetishization, Asian women. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Right? And so I wanted to try to undermine all four of those things with my adventure. And so in it, I had, I wanted to make sure that like all of the Asian characters, while they are being portrayed as the villains, had complex backstories mm-hmm. and motivations. Uh, I wanted to make sure that this thing was very strongly coded as Chinese as well. Mm. Um, so I gave them all Chinese names or names that were evocative of Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a um, one of the characters is, is an Asian woman, but she's strong and tough mm. and she's physically huge. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. 
and she'll like break you in two, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones, except Asian, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, or like my mind is like Bolo, Bolo Young, Bolo you know, Young, Bloodsport, oh, yeah. legend, yeah, man. yeah. legend, oh, yeah. legend, right? <laughs> and so like I wanted characters that undermined a lot of these stereotypes. Yeah. Um, and then another thing is that like I wanted to talk about chi. So you know, in Dungeons and Dragons you pick a class, which is basically like your character's profession. You'd be like a fighter, a barbarian, a ranger, a rogue, who's like a thief or a sorcerer or a wizard. One of them is a monk. Mm-hmm. Um, and the monk is basically portrayed as you're a master of martial arts. Mm-hmm. And you have this thing, This they, they kind of portray it as a magical energy. And they call it ki instead of chi. They call it ki. Okay. okay. And monks use this to fight. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, a, a surface level is like, oh, this, what's wrong with that? But at the same time, it's also like, that's not what chi is in Chinese culture. And you're very clearly drawing on this sort of metaphysical concept of chi mm-hmm. and saying that it's only used for fighting. And yeah. you're also mm-hmm. saying that it's mystical. Yeah. But to Chinese people, chi is very much a part of the world. It's your your essence. It's mm-hmm. it's fire. It's water. It's blood. It's breath. It's yin and yang. Yeah. It's everywhere. Everything is chi, and everything is connected in this sort of cycle of change and transformation, life and lifelessness. And chi is both in all living things and the foundation of non living things. And it's not just used for combat. Right, mm. and it's not really mystical because Chinese philosophers have been talking about chi for a very long time, mm. and so in the book of Inner Alchemy, the adventure that I wrote, I said a couple of things. I said one, chi is not, you know, even people outside of the martial arts orders think it's mystical, but they understand it to be tied to like air and the soul and body. I also said that it's in all living things. And medical techniques can be used to control it, like Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. And so by saying that in an official D&D book, I, I, I guess you can understand that I basically took a thing mm-hmm. that is based on like a stereotype and ver- made a very subtle change to it. Mm-hmm. Where now this key is not only a thing that the monks use as a currency to use abilities, yeah. but from a narrative perspective, it's so much more. Yeah. And having it in an official D&D book makes that as official and as right as possible. Yeah. And not only that, but my adventure is set in the world, in D&D's official world. So it is in there. It's, you cannot undo that. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So- and, and so that was my goal, right? Yeah. To, to say, show nuanced Asian characters who weren't stereotypes to... You add, make amendments to some of the things that were drawn from my culture, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and kind of fix them in a way where, you know, Wizards of the Coast who publishes Dungeons and Dragons was very, very, they were great about it too. Nice. They even, like, they even you know, were like, hey, is this art? Do they look Asian? I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, I changed this thing. Their complexions to, you know, blah, 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 yeah. right? Um, they were great about it. And, I didn't. I got no pushback, um, because you know I a played ball, and b made my changes very subtly 
in mm-hmm. a way that still fit within their existing product. Yeah. And I, I'm really proud of what I did. Um, not only because like I wrote a Chinese, a very, a, a Chinese coded story into D and D. Yeah. But also, you know, got to fix or at least start the process of reconciling for, you know, like, 30 to 40 years yeah, of like 40, Asian exactly. racism. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's amazing. Like, I mean, it's, it's you know, again, you know, I'm proud of you too for, for writing that all in. And, and hopefully the game players can read read that story, right? So the storyline is used to to kind of build that, the, the game up right yeah so basically it'll i you know you write it like a like a movie it's like scene by scene and you can these are guidelines really though so if you skip thing or if you want to switch it around you do whatever you want right because it's, it's a narrative game yeah but it's there there's art there's like stats for all the different things you might fight there's like um like supplemental information if you if your characters in the story want to learn new things there's like a map of this like so I created this martial arts order called the Order of the Immortal Lotus. And they live in the forest out of this temple that's made from these like rocks that come out of the earth and it looks like lotus oh, petals. Yeah. And that's their, their that's temple. Crazy. And <laughs> this guy's trying to craft these gloves, but he needs to sacrifice people. And the moonlight's coming in. There's this big epic showdown. But at the end, I, I tell you, I was like, I tell the, I, I say in the book, I'm like, it's strongly implied that like, you can convince this guy that what he's doing is wrong and you don't have to fight. Mm-hmm. Or if you think he's right, you can join him and help him and go down this path. And he doesn't actually have to be the villain. And you can realize that, wait, he's not the villain. We're working for the villains. Or maybe good and evil are, are vague concepts that are that really don't apply to everyone here. Mm-hmm. Uh and so you can really tell some interesting stories here and you could take it in whatever direction you want. If you just want to use my introduction or like the supplements I wrote, you could use that in your game mm-hmm. and you could take that elsewhere. And that's the beauty of Dungeons and Dragons. It's everything in Dungeons and Dragons is a guideline. If you just like the villains and you want to pop him into your own story, do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's what I think is really cool about this. I think that's amazing. I think it's so encouraging as well that you know that that the um, uh, the developers of the game also consulted you about you know the the, the you're saying about the characters and whatnot. Do they look right? And and that's encouraging. They're not just taking it on themselves, right? They're actually asking for that advice as well. So that's 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 good in my eyes. Yeah, you know what I was, and I know if you look in the news, there were a lot. There was another guy who worked on the project who had his experience was the exact opposite of mine, and it was really unfortunate. Mm. He had an editor who actually in- reintroduced some problematic things that he was trying to get away from, mm. and he actually asked them to basically take his name out of future reprintings of the book. Oh, um, yeah, wow. and I, I completely understand where he's coming from. It was really unfortunate, yeah. and it, it kind of sucks that you know there were mixed experiences and not everyone's was the same as mine yeah um so so there's that um but you know that said you know like i'm i'm still proud of what i did i'm proud of the product and you know i'm i'm real happy that you know i actually because uh 
because Toronto is just kind of opening up and I'm still very careful and my, my girlfriend is careful. Mm-hmm. I finally got to go to a game store and see my book in, in the oh, store nice. for the first time like two weeks ago. I'm going to buy this and, book, bro. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to buy a coffee straight up, man. And it was just like, it was, it was, it was really cool. And there are a couple, there are a couple other Asian people who wrote in this book as well. Nice. Um, uh, another nice. one is Canadian, also in Toronto. Um, yeah, but, uh, Canadians. You know, yeah, you know, but their story is is not an Asian coded one, but that's okay, mm. yeah, right? Yeah, because we shouldn't be expected to only tell Asian stories, of course, or Asian coded stories in a sense that they they are seen as Asian because any story that we tell is an Asian story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like the fact that you said that you're when you developed this, you looked at some of the past movies and cultural icons, especially when you were talking about it. It kept reminding me of those old old school TVB Kung Fu series is back spo- in the day. Yeah, with it's the- supposed to be exactly like, you know, yeah. the Shaw Brothers movies, yeah. Executioners from Shaolin. But, it's supposed to be exactly like that. Exactly. And, and people Fu got manuals. the people got the vibe. Yeah, people <laughs> got the vibe and, and everything. And, you know, the, there there's a, a big push in the tabletop gaming industry to have more diverse voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's cool to be one of the people pushing for that and, and yeah. seeing change. No matter how slow, change is still good, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we're, you know, it's it's about time that we're finally seeing a lot of that change, you know, not just with Asians, but, you know, with the uh, BLM, Black Lives Matters movement. A lot of things are happening, and and I'm glad that all of this is, is starting to, to open up. And, and again, you know, just being able to, you know, have those conversations, right, and not just um, have our own mindsets of, of how things should be, so... That's great. You know, I got I got a question though, you know, because I'm just so mesmerized even when you're just telling us about <laughs> yeah, exactly. your, the stories. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Um, you know, when you were a kid, like, so I mm-hmm. want to know when you were a kid, you know, were you a great storyteller? Did you have a crazy imagination? And and how did you get into the whole D&D world? Like how? That's a that's a wild story. I, I want to hear a wild it. Story. I want to hear it, man. Give me, give um, me the story, man. <laughs> have you guys been to Toronto? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you know the you know the Royal Ontario Museum? No. Like the Okay, so it's, it's Canada's largest cultural and natural history museum. Okay. It's 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 a huge museum. It's in Toronto. Um and it's called the ROM. That's the short form, right? Uh the ROM had a um offered a Dungeons and Dragons camp for kids. Um and when I was really young, my mom signed my brother and I up for this camp for the summer. Mm. Did not know what Dungeons and Dragons was. Neither did my mom. I 100% thought we were going to play with fake swords and I was going to hit my brother. (laughs) It was going to be great. Um, And I remember going and um, the instructor, who's a local uh, illustrator in Toronto named Anthony Harrison, was like, okay, we're going to make characters. What do you want to be? And I was like, what the fuck? I didn't say that, but I was like, well, like, well what? <laughs> um, and I remember my first character was an elf fighter named Aramel. And, you know, I, I he used a bow. And I remember the first adventure ever played. It was for the quest for the crystal c- caves. And we were looking for these <laughs> magical caves that had these crystals that could be turned into weapons. And it was really cool. And Anthony was the first dungeon master to run the game for me. 
and I immediately got hooked. You know, we were painting Warhammer miniatures and using them on like the table and we were drawing out the scenes. Like here's the road and there's the trees and we put our miniatures down and here are like the enemies and we we put those down. And it was like super engaging for for me as a a youngster. Mm -hmm. And I just became enthralled with it. But at the same time, you know, that program wasn't just playing games. It was also learning about history. So we got to go and see weapons. I got to shoot a bow and, you know, we got to go and like learn about like, like uh, like deep sea creatures, learn about all these different things that are around you in the museum and the world and then inspire this sort of storytelling. And I became obsessed. I went to that camp for like four years, like summers, Saturdays, <laughs> holidays. Like, And then I played, ga- and then the friends I made at that camp, we played on our own. Um, yeah. Like I made some some like friends for a really long time there. And then, it got me really deeply into the museum. And so when I turned uh, 15, I was like, hey, I want to volunteer. Yeah. And so I became a volunteer assistant with this program. And then I got hired and it was my first job. And I was playing Dungeons and Dragons and helping kids learn history. And then, you know, it got me really interested in uh, the world of the museums. And, you know, I just kept working for this camp and working at other children's programs that they had there. Mm-hmm. And then I went to school and I got a bachelor's degree in anthropology and archaeology. Oh. I traveled to like the Jordan and like the Middle East to do archaeological digs. Mm-hmm. And then when I got my degree, I got hired at the museum as a teacher and I taught that program. And so wow. I went full circle. Wow. <laughs> well, that's amazing. That and, amazing. And at the same time, you know, I was in, I went to grad school and I got a master's in Japanese archaeology and then I continued going to grad school and was working on a PhD in Chinese archaeology. Mm-hmm. Um, a proud PhD dropout. I dropped out in my sixth year um, because I wanted a real life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I work in tech, so I don't know. Um, life turned out pretty great. But you know, from 2011 to 2019, I taught that program and, and other programs at the museum. I had a, a lab in the museum where I was doing research for grad school. Yeah. I made a lot of connections at the museum. And, you know, I I must have taught at least a thousand kids how to play Dungeons and Dragons and taught them about history and yeah. science and how all of that can inspire your storytelling. We did creative writing um, and, you know, it, it became a really cool thing. And then, you know, at, at the ROM, I also started um, I had students who were like, who had autism or other disabilities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw Dungeons and Dragons as this like really powerful tool for them to kind of explore their de- and develop their social skills. Yeah. And so after, you know, while I was working there and while I was in grad school, me and two other teachers from the museum started an organization in Toronto called Level Up Gaming. And we started providing programs to adults with autism yeah. and other disabilities doing Dungeons and Dragons. So I would like go to grad school and then work in the evening once a week with 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 our program, yeah. and we would play Dungeons and Dragons. So it would be me and an occupational therapist, yeah. and then our, our everyone else at the table talking about our goals and playing D anD D. And I still run Level Up Gaming to this day. We do it remotely now because of COVID. Yeah. But I've been running that with them for like f- five years. Wow. And you know I've seen it like. People like our participants. I've had I some of the the participants in our current program yeah. have been with with me since the beginning. 
for five years. Wow. Right. And what wow. I think is really neat is that like, A, you know, if you're on the spectrum, access to programming that's geared towards you really evaporates when you turn 18. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so we we're providing something for, for people that they otherwise don't have access to and that's catered to them. Um, but especially during a pandemic, we're also providing folks with a, who feel disconnected or mm-hmm. who, who may be vulnerable to COVID um, and you know what's going on outside or just don't want to go outside and engage yeah. w- with the way in which they can engage with others. So my journey to Dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons is through museums and education. Um, it's a part of you. And it's it's part of me. And you know, even though I don't work at, I worked at a mu- I worked at that museum for fourteen years. It was my first job, and I worked. Wow. I had multiple jobs at that museum, uh, many of them overlapping. Um, but you know, I kind of carry that like intellectual curiosity. Yeah. And that understanding that, you know, even though we write fiction, the fiction that we write is deeply inspired by our experience with our lived experience with the world. Mm -hmm. And so when you see people who introduce racism into their stories, that comes from a very real place. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or when we see people who create fantasy worlds, well, where are you getting these ideas for swords and armor? Where are you getting these ideas of, of Asian honor? I say that with air quotes, mm-hmm. right? This all comes from lived experience or, or lack thereof with these cultures yeah. and signifiers of culture. Um, and so that's kind of the approach I take to Dungeons and Dragons. So it's less of a, like certainly with, with <laughs> I've been playing D&D for over two decades, um, there is a lot of practice that comes with that. But for me, I, I love to build worlds because of my archaeology background. I, you know, I've been able to travel the world. I've been very fortunate to been, have been able to do that and see interesting things. And academia is such an enclosed community mm-hmm. that that knowledge really doesn't get to go out to you know, the real world or the practice of doing research and, and learning and inspiring people to learn. Mm-hmm doesn't get sent to the masses so that's what i like to do with dungeons and dragons um and so i i I, so with my with my worlds and you know with my podcast asians represent you know we talk about you know hard-hitting topics in ttrpgs as they relate to asian cultures Mm. so we just did one on key points and the DD monk and chi and we talked about chinese philosophy and medicine in the context of games. Mm-hmm. Before that, we talked about, you know, uh, Japan's history. Yeah. And you, you, you probably see this in media. It's like, when you see a fantasy Japan, what is it always? It's always samurai, right? Samurai, always. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like si- samurai and that sort of vision of Japan really only represents like two to 4% of Japan's history. Mm-hmm. But what about the, the 96 to 98% of Japan's history? What's there and what can be used to inspire your stories? Yeah. yeah. And what should and what shouldn't be talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like in our next episode, we're talking about um, deconstructing the idea of honor. Uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, there are rules for honor. Okay. And they, I'll even read this out to you and you'll probably understand why I think this is bullshit. Um, so this is in an official Dungeons and Dragons book that you can go buy in a store right now. Okay. And it says, it's an optional rule, but it says, if your campaign involves cultures where a rigid code of honor is part of daily life, 
consider using the honor score as a means of measuring a character's devotion to that code. This ability fits well in a setting inspired by Asian cultures, such as Caratour in the Forgotten Realms. Hmm, okay. So you could probably see why that's, and your, your listeners could probably understand why that's wrong, yeah. right? Because it's like, what is honor? Like, what, what is this code yeah. that we talk about? Yeah. Is there like a, a rule book that it's, all three of us have? It's yeah, the bro like, code. <laughs> like, if I, do I get, do I get it when, when I'm taking like my morning shit? Am I like reading my honor book to make sure I know all of my rules? <laughs> right? Like, what, what does that mean? Right? Yeah. And so we're actually, our next episode is, is on deconstructing honor. Yeah. And yeah, talking specifically about, you know, Chinese culture, social relationships, and the concept of, of face. Mianzi, right? Like face. Yeah. And what does that mean? And how how is that m- more complicated than people think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's and, and so that's what we, that's, and that's kind of what I, I like to do. I kind of, you know, while I am not, I am no longer an academic and I have no intention of ever becoming one <laughs> again, <laughs> um, I take those skills and, you know, my lived experience and my ability to speak and use stories. Mm-hmm and teach others yeah yeah that's that's the biggest thing the education part i mean you make it's it's fun to play and all that but your stories are also educating the people and because your your stories your games like it's being published we're talking any any of the millions of people can play your adventure and be educated and i hope more other there's more stories like this coming out being written yeah i i've worked on you know like there's some games that i've worked on that i can't talk about uh, because i'm under nda because they're not out yet but um like obviously i have a day job i work in tech Mm -hmm. uh but you know i like to freelance Mm -hmm. um a because you know make that bread yeah uh and (laughs) b you know like if i have a good opportunity to tell an asian story or 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 do something productive like that i will take it um and so, like, I've worked on a, a game that's coming out where, you know, it's all about the Wild West. Right? It's called Haunted West. And I worked on this game, like, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it's a game written by a, um, uh, an author, a game designer named Chris Spivey. So he's um, one of the more prominent um, sort of, like, black creators in the tabletop gaming space. And he wrote a game called Harlem Unbound. And... Uh, it's a it's a Call of Cthulhu game, so the H.P. Lovecraft, who is notoriously racist, right? Um, but it's about black communities in Harlem fighting the supernatural. Mm. And his follow-up to it was a game called Haunted West, and it was about, you know, the Wild West, mm. but, you know, like black people and indigenous people. And he brought me on to write about Chinese people in the Wild West. Mm. And so I, I wrote that section of that book, yeah. which was cool because you see it come to life and, you know, the show Warrior, mm. which I think is, I don't know if you guys have watched it. I've, I haven't watched it. No, Warrior. Hey, no, you, you, that's with um uh, with uh, Andrew Koji and um uh, Jason Tobin. Okay, I think that's yeah. It, it's it was on Cinemax and season three is coming to HBO Max. It's based on a concept by Bruce Lee, and it's set during the Tong Wars in the um, late 1870s, leading into the 1880s when you know the chinese exclusion act was passed in 1883 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and but that was set during the gold rush um and so i wrote about you know chinese people in the wild west which uh, you don't hear book. about a lot 
you which know, you don't hear about, you right? Yeah. No one knows about the, the, the Chinese people. Yeah. The the, what was the last time you saw like an Asian cowboy? Like if you had the uh, Magnificent Seven re- reboot with Chris Pratt, they had uh, right. Lee Byung Hung. The, he was like this Korean cowboy, but all he was there for was just to fight. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It was cool. And it was awesome seeing that, but he was just there to fight. Right. Um, so like, yeah, I've worked on that. You know, I'm working on a project right now. Can't really say, but it's it's a, about contemporary Asians mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I think is going to resonate with a lot of folks mm. um, on a cool level. And I'm also I'm I can publicly say this because I'm working on the Avatar uh, RPG. So Avatar, like the Last Air- Airbender, Legend oh, of Korra. Nice. There's a tabletop game that was just announced, and I'm on the design team for that as well. Holy shit, man. Congratulations. You are busy, yeah, man. man. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not work when you really like it, right? True, true. So I guess you 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 know, you you got to thank your mom for, you know, signing you up for D&D. Yeah, oh, I do. Oh, know? I do. I so, do. So so what's her thoughts now? Like she finally know like when she found out She still out, does. Was she like, She's yo, di- I should have signed you up for piano lessons? or, or no, Oh, yo, like, my mom is said, like, when I went to do archaeology, I was like, I should have let you play in the dirt more. <laughs> or, or, like, or like my, you know, when I when I published Ross Rifles, I <laughs> published Ross Rifles, I brought a copy to my mom. I was like, I did it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like, we did, like, a Kickstarter campaign. We asked, we, we needed, like, five grand to do it, and we made, like, almost 19 grand oh, um awesome. and like i brought it to my mom and i was like look we did it on kickstarter and my mom's like how much of that money do you get <laughs> that's the first question <laughs> yeah. that's the first question right you know you get it right yeah yeah, yeah. and then i brought a cop i brought a copy and my mom never opened it she kind of set it aside <laughs> um and and you know like i told my mom about candle keep and you know the work i'm doing with agents represent i don't think she still doesn't get it my, my dad doesn't get it but you know they're I think the pandemic really changed things for our family in a good way where, you know, it's less about like how much money are you making and, you know, are you happy? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, And and, they played a game with you. That's they played a game for a while. That blows my mind. (laughs) Yo, like last week, my dad and I sat down, my dad, my my girlfriend is white. So so my dad, my girlfriend and I sat down and we opened Magic the Gathering boosters together and sleeved them for me because i ordered a big box set and i was like my girlfriend was opening them i was sorting them and i said okay dad this one's a rare one can you sleeve it and yeah, like what? <laughs> yeah it was wild right never would have thought that would have ever happened in my life but it did um that is so cool like you know just bringing yeah like i gotta say like this pandemic uh, yeah it's 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 sucked and all but it has i think for me anyways i'll speak for myself it's brought my family a lot tighter together and I think it has for a lot of other people as well. Um, but yeah, it's ultimately, you know, it's about spending that quality time with the people that you love, right? And, you know, sometimes you think about money. Yeah, it's important, but, you know, it's not everything in life, right? It, it really, it really isn't everything in life. You know, you, you know, when you when you think about the, the pandemic, and I, and I guess this is really like... um. It's tough to say, like for for me, you know, going back to to teaching and all of that is it, it, it's like so during the pandemic was really tough, and this was an eye opener for me because um so so during the pandemic, I actually um one of my former students in my Dungeons and Dragons program, he uh, he t- you know took it took his own life mm. um, during the pandemic, and he was like Pretty sixteen good. years old. Yeah, but, yeah, thank you. Um, but like you know, like shit's really tough. And, you know, it's, it's hard when, you know, you see people who, who are just like, 
I got my vaccine. That's done. I don't have to do anything else. Yeah. Like I would go life life goes back to normal, but like that's not the case. And you know, like the pandemic really put things into perspective for people. And like, for me and my parents really, you know, like I've got a good job, you know, like I'm happy. Um and you know, I'm doing things that really bring a lot of fulfillment to my life. Mm -hmm. And that's all that really matters. They might not understand it, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that they disapprove, which I think is a, a a marked improvement. You know, you know, when you're thinking about like, you know, material shit or like money, mm. like money matters and it doesn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. Once you have enough money for food, was it food, shelter, security, education, and health, and of course we're very privileged in Canada, Absolutely. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Once you have those things, you know, like, Money has, is really, once your basic needs are met, like money can't really bring you that much happiness, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like the thing, the game that I love playing most isn't like Call of Duty. It isn't Rainbow Six Siege. It, like I love video games and I got a nice powerful PC, mm -hmm. but like hanging out with my friends and playing Dungeons and Dragons and telling stories together and rolling dice, yeah, like clickety clackety math rocks right they're like math rocks that's what it, that's what dice are right yeah. um is so much more meaningful right because you know that's connection that's community and that that's what we need yeah. right like what was it that you, people say like there's like a difference between like a house and a home when they're talking about wealth and it's oh, like yeah, oh yeah. you gotta have a big house yeah i don't i don't give a shit about a big house mm -hmm. you know like i want to be where my family is, my my friends are, my passions are, and mm -hmm. I want to be surrounded by people who support, you know, those things mm -hmm. and respect my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think the pandemic really changed that. And and for me, you know, games and you know, Asian culture and representation are you know, are those passions and my purpose. And I'm happy that you know, like I'm able like you folks, you know, let me on your show to talk about it. And I'm happy that I got my own show. And, mm -hmm. and you know, that's why, you know, I'm more than willing to, you know, have you folks play Dungeons and Dragons with me because I want to pay that forward. And I want you to see that magic that makes me happy. And maybe you catch some of that enthusiasm and then you pass that on or you play it with your kids and, you know, it inspires them to be like, hey, you know what? I want to do this thing. Yeah. I, I'm, or it helps them with their skills, right? For me, like, I'm not good at math, but you throw a whole bunch of dice on the table, I count that shit up right oh, hell yeah. <laughs> real quick, real quick, right? Like, the, I, it's, it's, it's so, it's so special and so, so important to me. Um, and I think if anybody listening to this takes anything away from this, it's this like last five minutes of conversation, mm. right? It's like, what's important to you? Mm hmm. Right. And it's what what brings you purpose and what what brings you, you know, happiness inside. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is, is it. You know, is, is it this podcast that you do? Right. If your parents are telling you, like, oh, you could only do things that, that bring you money. Right. That's not that's not the way to live. No. Right. And, you know, it's all about hey, yes, you need those basic needs met. And if you can't do that, you really have to think about it. Yeah. But at the same time, you also have to, you know, keep that spark yeah. inside of you, right? And for me, playing Dungeons and Dragons is a great way of training myself mm 
mm-hmm. to not worry about the judgment of others. Yeah. I, I'm already and, inspired. And, you you inspire, uh, inspire me, Daniel. <laughs> I'll be honest. Hell yeah. Yeah. I've been inspired it, this whole hour. <laughs> I, <laughs> yo, and I mean, look what you guys are doing. Like off the first of all, off the walk. That's a that's a that's an A plus title. <laughs> oh, like yeah. A plus. That's an A plus show title, right? Like this kind of stuff is important. These conversations are important. The the stuff you're doing is is great. Yeah. Right. And I'm glad. Like I'm glad we have you on our show. I can you you know just talking to you. You know, obviously, I can if the view if listeners, you know, they can hear it in your voice of the passion you have about. You know, even just talking about the games and you talking about the Asian representation, how important it is for you to to, you know, have that dialogue out there. So, I mean, it's inspiring to me because, you know, I feel like, yeah, you know, my life, I've gone through a lot of racism when I was younger. Um, We thought that might have been passing, but there's still a lot of that around. Um, But you know, we have to still stand tall and still get out there and say, you know what, we, we, we got to make change, right? We got to make this world a better place. And, you know, it's people like yourself that are out there telling these kind of stories and more and more people listening and hearing about it and, you know, get inspired about telling their own stories uh, out there. And that's how we make change in this world. It's it's slow process, but it's still process, right? It's still a process. Yeah, I mean, like the thing is, you know, you can, there isn't just one way to make a difference in the world, right? And if you have like a special skill, a special passion, like do your thing, right? This podcast, right? The, like that off the walk, you're like you're making a difference in the world, right? As long as you can, I think podcasts are a really cool medium and it's really awesome to see, you know, Asian podcasts, right? Because all it really takes is to reach one person. Yeah. That's All it. it takes is to reach one person. Um, and if you could reach one person and inspire them to do something awesome, well, I think you've done a great thing, right? For sure. And I think... So... I was going to say, like, you playing Dungeons & Dragons for such a long time, I mean, you can see how there are stereotypes and there's racism in Dungeons & in D&D. And, I mean you could always just keep on playing and just still keep seeing it there or what you're doing is you're you're making a change you know you're you're doing something about it and you're doing something that hopefully other people who play who play your your game here can see that and have you know have their mind changed kind of reverse yeah, that or, or or you could say like look this this thing's bad i'm never playing it again boycott it yeah. Well, that's not going to change anything because no. this product is still going to be out there and people are still going to be playing it. That's right. Right? So instead of running away from it, it's like, well, let's try to change it. Exactly. Um, and, and I think that's what's super important. And we see that in media now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see you know, people making like a huge difference out there in the world, right? For for me, like when I, when I think about, you know, pop culture and like the, the big mainstream, mm-hmm. I, I think like Shang Chi is going to be huge. I think that's fantastic. Oh yeah, Snake sure. Eyes, Snake, snake seeing eyes. Snake Eyes out there. Oh, you yeah. know, uh, I, I joke about like Black Widow, ha ha, Scarlett Johansson, uh-huh. best Asian actress, because um, of Ghost in the Shell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, icon, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But like you know, you see like Snake Eyes, you see Mortal Kombat, you see you know 
Shang Chi, or, or you go, you watch like The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like I was a huge fan of the comics, and when I was reading, I was like, oh shit, Glenn is an Asian character. This is dope. And I'm reading the comics, and I'm like, wait, wait, Glenn gets with Maggie, who's a white character. You yeah. never see that. No. And then they put that on a show, the biggest one of the b- biggest TV show of all time. Yeah. And you see an Asian guy and a white woman, and his Asianness has nothing to do with his character. He's just Glenn, yeah. survivor in the zombie apocalypse. You need shit like that, right? Sure. Um, like, look, like, what's the what's the biggest action movie franchise right now? John Wick. Mm-hmm. Fucking right. Keanu Reeves has Chinese heritage. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, biggest, yeah, yeah. Biggest stars out there, right? And it's cool seeing people like succeed at that level. Dave Bautista, Filipino yeah. American. Yeah, that's right. He's Drax. He's in Dune. Coming out, you know, in 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 the fall, mm-hmm. Fast and Furious, yeah. right? Okay, think about Fast and Furious, and like, yeah, yeah you know, all the, the most important thing in the room right now are these people right here, like the whole like family thing. Family. Diesel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 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 really, like when I was watching Fast and Furious, and you know, Han, the, the Asian character in Fast and Furious, who's his who's his who's his love interest? It's fucking Wonder Woman. It's Gal Gadot, that's who's right. also badass in Fast and Furious. Oh yeah, that's right. But, would you ever see that anywhere? No. Like, no. no. And, and that's the funny right. part is that when you see that in your, in my mind anyways, I was like, your little explosion yeah. goes yeah, off yeah. in your yeah. head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nation guy gets it. You know, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it true, was, right? It was, yeah, for sure. And, and it's, 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 it's wild to see that. And so we need to see more of that, right? And you, like, one of the biggest bands of all time, Linkin Park. That's right. Look <laughs> at all the right. Asian guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, it, 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 you know, I think we need to see these sorts of changes and we need to see people being bold and trying to create in all different creative mediums, right? Absolutely. Movies, music, comic books, right? In, in Toronto, there's a, I always shout him out. He's a, a buddy of mine named Jason Liu. He's a comic book artist. Mm-hmm. And I, he published a, a, an independent comic book series called The Pitiful Human Lizard. It's about an Asian guy in Toronto who moonlights as a superhero, but he's really bad at it. <laughs> and he actually posted a cover of like the pitiful human lizard meeting Drake, right? Yeah. It's like some wild stuff. And then so Jason kept putting out his art and his stories. And he got picked up by Marvel. What? Yeah, he works for Marvel. Oh, yeah. nice. that's sick. Right? And, it, and so it's like, it's cool to see people create and do this really awesome stuff and get attention for it. Um, and I think it's important for the Asian community also to like act with our dollars and not just our like voices. Yeah, it's cool to be like, yeah, this is important, but we got to realize that like these companies also need to know. Mm-hmm. And you saying it's great isn't a metric that they look for, mm-hmm. right? You need to go out and buy that album. You need to go to stream that album, mm-hmm. or you need to go out and you need to watch that movie, yeah. right? Yeah. For sure, and I, I and so we need to do that, um, and you know, it's important to just like kind of get that out there, right? Oh. If you don't like Dungeons and Dragons, totally okay, but if you're into comic books, go buy Jason stuff, right? Or you know, act with your dollars so that these companies know. Yeah, I think it was massive, like even like Crazy Rich Asians, right? I mean, yeah, huge, you know. And even for me, it was like, oh, is that an all Asian cast? I'm going to watch it. Why? Because I want to support that. Right? I cried. Yeah. 
awesome. when I watched that movie with 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 my girlfriend, I cried in the movie at the wedding scene. So did oh. I. <laughs> Yo, that movie was awesome. That yeah, wedding right? scene blew my mind. <laughs> and, but here's the thing for me in that wedding scene, the the singer Kina Granis. Yeah. Who, oh yeah, yeah, she's amazing. He, OG OG Asian YouTuber. Yes, yeah. I remember watching her way back in the day. I was yeah. like, way what? back, and I was like. <laughs> mind blown it's crazy it's, it, right yeah like, i remember seeing aquafina yeah. when she was just posting raps on youtube oh. and like a period of skits and now like aquafina is like in shang chi and crazy rich asians that's yes. amazing it's it's amazing and, and like even uh, i watched some of the like wong fu production they do wong a fu. lot of, it's just some good stuff they're on netflix there. yeah it's it's amazing i'm so happy that we're just getting all of this you know, Asian representation everywhere, like you say, every medium. And it's just, it, it, I, it just fills my heart. Cause like I say, growing up, none of that, none of it at all. And, and yep. I'm happy that my children are going to be, you know, get to at least see some of that. And as the years progress, we'll see more of it. I'm sure of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as, as long as people are still out there trying to create, trying to, you know, produce whatever art they want to produce, tell their story or send out their message in whatever way they want. Mm-hmm. That's right? right. As long as you're not hurting anybody, right? <laughs> That's a big thing. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't go out there trying to hurt people. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. No, no, don't do that. I often wonder if there's, you know, if it has to do with anything of, you know, China now being a second superpower, if that also has a, you know, some influence on the way that Western society has also made changes as well to adapt to the Chinese side. But I don't know. Yeah, look at look at all these people going out and having their kids learn how to speak Mandarin because that's the language of business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like there are schools here that are just just pure Mandarin. And it's 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 amazing. I was like, wow. <laughs> like I did. Yeah, but but at the same time, you know, there's also that apprehension and that tension that we're seeing, yeah. not just in the United States, but like all over the world, you know, about Asians. And so yes, while like, you know, China in particular is a major global power, yeah. at the same time, you know, that causes a lot of fear in it does. other people. Yes. Um and so while it's present and while things like, you know, BTS and K-pop are huge, right? there are still a lot of people out there who are not being inspired to hate because they've always had that hate. Mm. Cause a lot, I, you know what, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are saying, yeah, all of a sudden people are becoming racist. No, no, these people have always been racist, yeah. but they now feel enabled to act on it. Exactly. That's the big thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's important to be out there and, you know, be present and share your stories but you also have to like take care of each other, right? This yeah. is this is at a, a very dangerous time, um, and so it's really important to have community. It is. I mean, especially knowing now, you know, with the pandemic, um, you know, the acts of violence on, um, you know, a- Asian Americans, you know, even Asian Canadians. Um, yeah. You know, it, it. We need to stand together and and really, you know, help each other out, protect each other. Um, you know, all of those and that things. and that just circles back to you know, understanding what's important and spending time with your family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? Like I feel, you know, like it's hard for me because like my grand, I haven't seen my grandparents for more than a couple minutes at a time in like over a year and a half, mm-hmm. and that that that's like tough, right? Mm-hmm. And I know it's tough for them. Yeah. Um. So like you know, you got to really think about you know, 
who you haven't given a phone call in a while. Yeah, this pandemic. That got serious. I'm sorry. Got, yeah, that, got, that was crazy. Yeah, that got, bro. But like, yeah, you know, like, call your parents. Say hi to them. Yeah, right? for sure. Like, how, how, have you eaten? That's all you got to do. Yeah. Right, it's the Asian way. It's the Chinese way. I it's guess. Chinese way, yeah. We always we always ask, have you eaten? You don't eat enough. You look skinny. that means I love you. <laughs> That's what that means. It's true. It's true. That's why, I don't know, right? Always, uh, what brings me home is soup. You know, your your parents cook you soup and go, okay, come home, have some soup, you know. Yeah, that's and, right. It's always the soup. I don't how, know. How, it's always soup. Yeah, it's like if, if you don't have time, come home, just drink a bowl of the soup first. Just just drink a, the, it's that herbal yeah. soup and, and all that, that. Like my dad goes and sees my grandma like once a week. He brings them food and groceries and, mm. you know, just to see them. And every single week they always make stuff for like my brother and I. Yeah. And my my dad will always text, be like, "Yo, Grandma made you more food. Or you, do you want this?" And I'll, of course I'll say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because a how how long am I going to have that opportunity to eat her food? That's right. And B, right? You know, that's that's my that's my connection to my grandparents during this time. It's, it's through food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, of course I'll say yes. It's it's never a burden. It should never be a burden no. to, you know, like connect with your family. No. And I get there are, are, are reasons not to, but for the most part, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's great. You know, great speech. I, I think that, you know, everybody, yeah, needs to take this time. I mean, although the pandemic is somewhat, you know, not, I wouldn't say over, but uh, maybe the worst is his past. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I even today I just went out and seen friends for the first time in a year, you know, because I've been in lockdown. But I mean, it it just feels so like you know how are things? You know, you really just want to listen to how people are doing, versus I think how, you know sometimes we took it for granted that friends would be around all the time, and now it's kind of you know like yeah. hey, how are you doing? Like everything going all right? I haven't heard from you. I haven't talked to you for a while. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, so wow, this episode was, was a roller coaster. Okay, this this episode was was awesome. Let's just say there was. I mean, I learned a ton. First off, lots of misconceptions too, because D and D, when I was growing up, obviously, like I had never played D and D before, right? But growing up, there's mm-hmm. always certain misconceptions about D and D and like what it what we thought it was growing up, which is just just bunch of i guess nerds playing some a dice game but it's it's so much more than that yep like it is so much more like i after this episode i mean i want to play right now like like yeah let's let's set this up me i'm serious i'm serious let me let let me let let me we let's connect all of us in that email thread yeah i gotta talk to my group because i gotta get their consent too i'm sure they're gonna be fine with that but like as i work out my story I want to figure out how to have like one Sunday where my players are going to this other land and they're yeah. going to meet these two guys, right? Game and time. And we're going to have this one-off thing together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's going, to be, it's going to be hella fun. Yeah, and I am purchasing Epic. that book straight up, The Candlekeep <laughs> Mysteries. I, I, don't, I don't get any money from it. So if you're... It, so, it's so it's okay. But I, I appreciate it. I'm purchasing <laughs> it anyway because I want to read your story in that book, you know what I'm saying? And start it off like this is man this 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 episode was amazing 
I don't know about you, Lance, but <laughs> I was blown away by this. <laughs> I am totally inspired. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for introducing me into the D&D world. <laughs> and I'm sure I will have Welcome. a blast uh, when we when we get together and, and actually play. Fingers crossed. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, but any, anyhow, even if we don't, I'm definitely, I want to try this. I want to see if I can get even my uh, girls together and, and they're, they're, they're old enough. Cause you said five and eight, right? That you, yeah, you, you could do it. You could totally do it. There are, there are like, there are, um, I'll, I'll, I'll send y'all an email <laughs> okay, um, yeah, yeah. with some stuff. Um, and we'll, uh, I'll get I'll, we'll get you set up. There there are a lot of different options out there that are like really easy and free form. I love Some it. Games you can play in like 30 40 minutes. Well, I just love the fact that again we we go back, we're connecting not just the game, we're connecting with people. You know, it's exactly. not just the video game where we're sitting there and it's a different kind of feel, right? But I I want to mm-hmm. get that interaction with friends, with family. Uh, to be able to sit there, to have stories that we can relate to, you know, and all of that, right? Bringing it back where, you know, nowadays, you know, there's just so much screen time that we, we kind of yeah. get lost in all of that. And so bringing us, I, I feel just like, you know, these, these the board games, being able to be just in that space together, playing it, you know, um, how do you say it? Just without the whole distraction, of, of of a phone you know is is that uh that 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 time together you know is just right you, you can't get that I, right there's there's a lot of cool stuff like uh available you know out there and i mean like you know if tabletop rpgs aren't the thing for you try board games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right there, there's something for everyone i just i just sent you guys an email at your off the walk email mm-hmm. um I've included a, a PDF of a game, one of the first games ever designed, called Zany Zoo, nice. and it's just about being silly animals and trying to escape the zoo. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome! I think my kids will so, have a blast with that one. So try it out. It's a storytelling game. All you need are little cards. You just write it all out. Sweet. Makes you makes you do some research into animals too. It, it could be fun. And I just wanted to ask too, as like a for. Any listeners out there who are interested in wanting to try out D&D firsthand, like what are some resources that you can kind of recommend? Okay, so if you want to try D&D for the first time um, and you that specific game, um, there is a, a box set. It's like a beginner's box. You could find it at like pretty much any game store or right. like a bookstore. Okay. Um, and it's the D&D beginner box. And okay. it has an adventure there called The Lost Minds of Fandelver. It tells you what to do. It walks you through the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it gives you little tokens with the characters, pre-made characters as well, mm-hmm. um, with dice and everything, all in one compact box. Okay. Right? Gotcha. And there's like, if, if fantasy isn't your thing, there are tons of different RPGs out there. There's, sort of, there's several official Star Wars tabletop RPGs. Oh. So if you want, if you're into Star Wars, yeah. there's a Star Wars one. Um, I mean, there's the Avatar one coming out. Um, there's a new Marvel tabletop role-playing game coming out in like, Sick. I think a year or two or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and there's some older Marvel ones as well. There's like mech ones. There's like, if you're like Mobile Suit Gundam, if you're into that sort of stuff, there are tabletop RPGs that let you pilot mech suits. That's amazing. Um, there's there's every genre. There's this one, and it's called a Honey Heist. And you just play as bears <laughs> trying to steal honey. 
there's like there's 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 so many different ones so if like dungeons and dragons and like that sort of fantasy isn't your thing Mm -hmm. there are there are so many other ones and like there are indie creators who are making tons of different ones like i'm playing one with some of my friends we're setting up it's just a game where you have two stats fast or furious right and it's like not a, a mechanically complex game yeah. but we get to just be like yo what's the most important family and it's just <laughs> we'll do it it's just it's hilarious right yeah. um like i wrote a game that you play alone oh okay oh. yeah i wrote it here i wrote a game that you play alone and all you need are um playing cards yeah. a jenga tower <laughs> and one six-sided dice Oh, and um, <laughs> yeah, and the game's called uh, Wicked Congregation. It's not for kids. One hundred percent not for kids. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, I really like hor- horror media, right? Yeah. And um, specifically, like I really love Resident Evil. Uh, I love the one of my favorite games of all time is a game called Control. I don't know if you folks have heard or played it. I've wonderful, heard wonderful, it. weird horror sci-fi game. But Wicked Congregation is a game that I I, I published actually like a couple months ago and in digital format and it's uh it's a game where you play as a member of a fictional agency mm-hmm. called the bureau of paranatural survey and you know you go out and you try to hunt the, the the supernatural and defend humanity from it and you've gone to a small town yeah in the u.s where there's a cult and this, this cult is believed to have this powerful artifact and your team is wiped out and you're the last surviving member of your team, and you've managed to steal the artifact from this cult. And the cult is hunting you in a small mountain town in America. What? <laughs> and in the game, you are, but in the game, the premise is that you are expected to die. Okay. And you are waiting to die. And the game is about journaling. So you're actually, the instructions are to either use a microphone or hand type notes and you're and you're given prompts about what happens during your day yeah. based on the cards you draw and you draw from the jenga tower and the dice you roll so you're expected to die and it's about the journey from you know sort of the, the futility of survival right but for me i wrote this game when i was like yo like a lot of a lot of white people are attacking asian people in the states and so i was channeling that yeah right right um there's like a game that my, my girl this is my my girlfriend's favorite tabletop role-playing game and it's called 10 candles and it's another game where you die at the end um but it's a game about the end of the world yeah and you literally play it in the dark and you sit at a table and you take you know those like tea lights yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. light 10 tea lights oh. and as the game progresses your the candles slowly die out and that represents you and your companions eventually dying during this apocalypse and wow. there were like so many like different games. Wow. There's a game that a friend of mine wrote. Uh, I think uh, she's from Ottawa. But I think she's in Vancouver now. I don't remember. A game called Starcross, and it's a game that uses Jenga, and it's just about two people who maybe shouldn't be together but want to be together. <laughs> right? And, and there are a lot of different games out there, and there's there's a game for everyone. There's a game for everyone. Uh, so if you if you if there's a thing that you like, there's mm-hmm. probably a tabletop RPG for it or a way to play it with a tabletop RPG system. Sweet. Well, for some of our listeners out there, tell 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 us about how we can get uh, some of your content and you know what and and your podcast as well. Like, t- tell us a little yeah. bit about that. I probably love you know the best place to find me is on Twitter uh, at Daniel H Kwan K W A N. 
Um, you can, my website is danielhquan.com. Okay. Um, my podcast is Asians Represent. Um, we, uh, you can find us on Twitter at AZNSRepresent. Uh, we stream first and uh, third Friday of the month on Twitch. And uh, we post all of our Twitch streams, which is our podcast, onto uh, YouTube wow. um, at AZNSRepresent. Um, we have a Patreon. Um, it's just patreon.com slash AZNSRepresent. Branding. You know, you want to <laughs> keep it consistent, except for the Twitch. Uh, I, I kind of, that's my fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the Asians Represent podcast, you know, we um, first Asian podcast to win an Any Award. Uh, it's a tabletop gaming award. Nice. Uh, wow. First, first Asian people to ever win that award in podcasting. And that awesome. was last year. Awesome. That is big. Um, that is so, big. Yeah, Asian you know, listen to Asians representing. Represent. Yes. Yeah, so listen to Asians represent. You know, we uh, we put out a lot of content. Uh, it's 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 deep games and, you know, educational content. But, you know, it's a lot of fun and we have a lot of diverse voices on. Um, so I'm, I'm super hyped. But, yeah, Daniel H. Kwan on Twitter. AZNS represent on Twitter. From there, you'll basically be able to find everything. And if you don't have Twitter, yeah. danielhquan.com or aznsrepresent.com. Awesome. We'll That's put it. all those handles in our, once we release this episode on the synopsis. And, you know, we'll make sure that we'll have that post on the Instagram just to have some links on there as well to get it in there. So, our listeners, make sure you check out this. Well, I mean, I'm. I'm like kind of recording ahead of time right now, but like when this yeah. comes out, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And we'll put it's going to be good. Yeah. I, I will apologize in advance. My Instagram set to private mostly because I just post pictures of my Warhammer miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Asians represent Instagram. I have been, I dropped the ball now. Our audience isn't on Instagram like yours. Our audience is primarily on Twitter. On Twitter. For sure. We'll, we'll make sure to add the Twitter handle on when we make the post for this. But Thank yeah. you again, Daniel. This was an awesome episode. Like, yeah, oh, thanks amazing. for having me. We I, went through I appreciate you. Look, I appreciate you reaching out. That like, it felt like it feels like months ago. It, uh, I, yeah, but I, it, you know, right? Yeah, I saw the post he made, and I was like, I need to screenshot this, <laughs> this, and then <laughs> I need to get back to you and contact you because I, I was like, I know that there's gonna be a good story on this. So somebody, somebody at the comp. I work for a small company, right? Yeah. Somebody at the company I work for sent me a screenshot of it and was like, "Yo, is this you?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that's me." <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wild, but no, I I appreciate you, you know, reaching out and like, you know, lending lending your platform to me. You know, I think it's it's great for you know Asian people to get together and talk and. When, when this is when this is out there, send me the links and I'll, I'll share it on my social media. For sure, for sure, awesome. awesome. Yes, thank you again. And yes, well, we will once this comes out, everything we'll make sure we get all of it done up. And uh, yeah, but thank you. And uh, I guess for our listeners out there, uh, come walk with us next time. <laughs> Yo, that's <Yeah>. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.